and welcome to Drawing a Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. We are cartoonists, scholars, and educators. On Drawing a Dialogue, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I work with K-12 students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings. I have three graphic novels out. In addition to self-published works, I have a master's degree in art education. Uh, I'm a PhD student in the University of Florida's English program. I also have a master's in English. I really should edit this to say that. Um, my, re- <laughs> my research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines and museum studies. And I also make self-published comics. And today we have a special guest with us. Ross, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ross Hernandez. I'm uh, or Hernandez, either one works. Uh, I've gone by both uh, for my whole life. So uh, <laughs> um, I'm a, a PhD candidate at University of California Davis. Um, I study Latin American poetry and art and Marxism. Wonderful! Yeah. Oh, so fun. Um, <laughs> So, uh, today we invited Ross to join us um, to talk about art and labor and that Mm -hmm. intersection with comic books and art, both as an art form and as an industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Ross because we are friends. We've been friends for 10 years, Ross. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. It's been (laughs) lovely. So lovely. Oh, um, so, uh, that's how we know each other. Just basically, uh, um, uh, Ross, uh, predates Remus actually. Okay. Well, that's, (laughs) (laughs) it is a competition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kathy's announcing that Ross is taking over as the new co-host, um, But that's, you know. Oh my gosh. Um, So I invited Ross uh, specifically because uh, once we were talking um, and you touched upon a lot of the anxieties that I see in our comic book peers. So like uh, wanting to express yourself artistically as well as feeling pressured to conform to the expectations of a market. Um, So I'm really hoping we can talk about wanting to create art in a capitalist structure and what those struggles really boil down to and uh, maybe what we can do about it. Can we do that in 45 minutes? Yeah. Well, what can we do about it? Um, Yeah. With with theory, we got to talk about praxis, right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So... uh, um, I, I have like three very generic questions and the first extremely generic question for you. Um, but we are hopefully these will bounce off uh, new questions um, is what is labor and work? Ross. Right. Yeah. So so labor is is uh, what constitutes all of the things that are are made under the structures of capitalism. Um uh, as as use values, we we kind of talked about this um, the other day. Um, mm-hmm. we, we well, Kathy and I. Well, okay. So a little bit of background. Kathy and I. Should I say this? Go Ka- for it. <laughs> 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 Kathy I have and no I. <laughs> yeah, Kathy and I meet and play Dead by Daylight and <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about uh, <laughs> theory and art and uh, gossip. 
you know. Uh, <laughs> Dead by Daylight being a video game. Right, it's not right, like right. Some weird serial killer. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we're not. Well, we're we're a little bit. It's yeah, a little bit. it's a little bit of weird. Yeah, but it we're is a little a bit involved game. with the occult. Yeah, it's a video game though. <laughs> So what what kind of comes up over and over again is is um, what how does how does comic book art um, mm-hmm. interface with labor? How does it interface with yeah. capital and and production? And I think that's a really interesting question. I have no idea how to answer it. That's the kind of point of view. <laughs> so uh, what I what I do know about is a, about the literature and scholarship around uh around the creation of high art that's mm-hmm. what most mm-hmm. of the uh uh fine art uh, uh most of the writing is about how does the quote unquote autonomous work of art a uh, fancy way of saying like a, a sort of avant-garde piece right something that uh that sticks out among uh the entire field of Mm -hmm. artworks right um how does that interface with value right um Mm -hmm. we the way we've kind of uh shorthanded this though is uh by saying something that i think is silly and (laughs) but actually can get really deep if we talk about it uh kind of practically which is (laughs) What happens when uh, Cy Twombly buys an apple? Um. Cy <laughs> <laughs> oh. is one of your favorites, isn't he, Remus? Yeah, actually. <laughs> oh, for real? Okay. So, uh, so what what I what I think about is is kind of it is uh, you know it, when when these artists uh, when 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 they make a, a piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, usually the way that um, uh, things are things are sold or, or, or things become public um, mm. is they end up in a museum or a gallery, mm-hmm. right? But uh, nobody asked an artist to make that thing. Right. right? Nobody said, Cy Twombly, uh, you know, uh, make this uh, wild canvas with real cook quotes on it, right? <laughs> and uh, um, Cy Twombly just did that, and mm-hmm. there was a market for that, right? Um, which is determined by a lot of other factors, right? right? We can talk mm-hmm. about those. And we then can talk about those. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, please, no, please. go ahead. And um, we're parsing that out differently from labor, where something has been asked for. Like, is like to go back to your, I guess, like, um, uh, like a phone, right? There's like a demand for that. So that's right. different from this thing that's sort of coming from someone without the prior prompts. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, so when we talk about art, it, it, it lands in this kind of curious zone where uh, it has a use value only in as much uh, as it can be enjoyed or talked about or you know enter a dialogue. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, it's mostly exchange value, right? And and there have been there's been writing mm. about this. Um, I believe. Well, so so one book that's helped me through this 
uh, if you're thinking about this, um, is uh, Dave Beach's um, Art and Value. Um, mm. And uh, one really helpful thing that uh, uh, David talks about in that in that book he's not my friend uh (laughs) you know david david you know dave uh (laughs) he talks about how how uh, you know art is a as a special kind of commodity or you know i I, something i disagree with talks about it as not being a commodity um uh which is to say the same thing that, that Remus is saying, right? That, that nobody said, okay, well, um, we need to make this thing so that people can uh, uh, call each other and, and share their videos and uh, like things on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, art uh, mostly just kind of hangs on a wall or ends up on a shelf and... Um, and we look at it sometimes, and it makes us feel things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, um, where am I going? So the, the, <laughs> the apple, the apple, the apple, the apple. So we must r- return to the apple. So, <laughs> so, uh, what what Cy Twombly sells is not his labor, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, a but a piece of art is uh like art uh it's like a he's working as an artisan right he's selling Mm. uh an object rather than his labor right Mm -hmm. um Mm. which is you know uh according to you know the theory of value is not exactly the way that a worker interfaces with capital right Mm -hmm. so art kind of falls into this interesting interstitial realm, right? However, Cy Twombly still makes money so he can buy an apple, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it comes into this uh, question that has, uh, it, it's debated about a lot about what it really means. Um, Marx wrote about it in an afterword to Capital Volume 1. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of... Yeah, it's uh, a bit uh, like esoteric, I, I guess, but it's um, the uh, subsumption, the, the subsumption of labor, right? Formal versus real subsumption, and um, and I think that's Wait, an interesting what's that? question. What's subsumption? So subsumption, subsumption is uh, first this process that uh, that labor and capital. Mm. are involved in right uh, a capitalist says okay uh, person who um has uh has been okay so i'm stealing this from my uh from my marxist teacher uh marxism teacher uh joshua clover he always talks okay. about sweaters right sweater and instead of talking about like weaving machines and stuff he always says sweaterator Right, the thing that makes the sweaters, right? <laughs> As if you could just like kind of put materials into it and it does it, which kind of, <laughs> kind of is, you know, it's kind of true. So, uh, so, so the person who uh, makes a sweater, uh, um, they've they've been around since uh, you know things were 
you know, it was cold and there were humans, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, first, those people were, first those people were, um, were artisans, right? They would make, uh, they would find things in nature, put their work into it, and then, you know, maybe they sell it, maybe they just give it to their family, maybe they share it, right? Mm. Um, and this is, a, this is one sweater. Uh, <laughs> mm. Later, with capitalism, that person uh, becomes uh, irrelevant, right? Because uh, the sweaterator comes along and mm. the sweaterator can make, uh, you know, sweaters a hundred times faster than this person, right? Um, so the formal subsumption of labor is when the original sweater maker goes, uh, well, uh, I don't have a job anymore. I think I got to go to the sweater factory and, mm. and goes, goes to the capitalist and says, well, I'll exchange some of my time, my energy, labor power for some money, uh, mm -hmm. for, for you to make a sweater now, because now you're the sweater people. I don't know what let, you know. What allows you to be that but for some reason for some reason capital uh, <laughs> uh you get to do that and now i'm formally subsumed under the wage right now i do this work for you right mm -hmm. and real so subsumption go ahead go ahead oh sorry <laughs> no go ahead um, no 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 <laughs> sorry okay i was just gonna say go that. remus so the it's the the in this af, uh, after some assumptions take place the laborer no longer owns the final object like you they are making the sweater but they do not actually own the object that is then being sold exactly right mm -hmm. yes exactly right but Cy Twombly owns the thing right, right? still owns it uh, mm. which is different right which has led Beach to say that it's not a commodity. But other people oh. like mm. uh, like uh, Marina Vishmit, uh, um, um, and I think Adorno too. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. They say that uh, art is the ultimate commodity because it's all exchange value. Mm -hmm. It's it it has uh, uh, it has only exchange value and practically no use, right? Um, you can't, uh, you can't like, you know, you could wear the Cy Twombly painting, um, or, you know, use the schematics as, uh, like a shelter or something, <laughs> but, but you wouldn't want to do that. There are better things. <laughs> um, so, so then it gets into this other question, the real subsumption of labor which is a little bit fuzzy um, and is mostly talked about mm. through uh, metaphor, but it's the, the way in which, uh, in which uh, life is affected by this formal subsumption of labor, right? The way mm. that society is transformed after uh, everyone has to go to the sweater factory to work for the sweaterator guy. Mm -hmm. Usually a guy. Usually so, a guy. So but, there's yeah. formal yeah. subsumption and that is the informal subsumption? That's called uh, real subsumption, which is like what real, it, okay. Yeah, which which is just a nice way of saying that it's it's totalizing, right? Mm. That now art, which has existed way before capital, right? Uh yes. Uh, now 
now art is also part of capital, right? Now art mm -hmm. also interfaces with it, or must, so that Cy Twombly can go buy an apple. Mm. <laughs> um. So that sort of covered my second question, which is how is art different than labor and work? Um, so that this is where it sort of it gets interesting for comic books, right? Mm -hmm. Where so yes. there's comics and there's also comic publishing, right? So there's DIY and there's mainstream book publishing, mm -hmm. and so I, I like trying to figure out how that lies within this definition of labor and work. Yeah, um, it's. It's interesting because we, we have talked a tiny bit about comics and labor before, Kathy, right? Um, oh, yeah. And, like, a lot of what we talked about in that episode was that, like, very early comics publishing was sort of factory style where there, you know, people, that people were just sort of constantly churning out these books and it was all, like kind of subs this sort of like substantiated model of labor right where it wasn't like individual artisans creating final products it was people sort of like churning out material on like a time structure that didn't actually own the final product or necessarily contribute to it besides like and drawing it this is american this yeah this is u.s <laughs> early u.s comics yeah the european comic lineage wildly different and also outside of europe wildly different but um so i think that's also interesting too is that like in the in the US context like not that there weren't always like artisan comics probably but like the way that we think at least like the tr more like understood timeline is that like it's the the sort of like art object comic or like comic as art came kind of late in the game compared to early comics publishing um where when when did it come i mean i think like a lot of people would point to the underground right um mm. when 70s right? 70s yeah Six, yeah a lot yeah like and also like gary panter i think is a would be someone who comes to mind for me too also 70s like uh but like the underground was that moment when they were like we're gonna do these and, and again it's not that there weren't people were always making their own stuff but like i feel like the underground was this moment when people were really like at least in sort of the way that we understand the canon of comics history it was that moment when people were like we're gonna make these for us not for publishers we're not gonna go through publishers at all we're gonna distribute them in our own way and that feels closer to the like art model or like the artisan model hmm. mm -hmm. so like what so and then it sort of continues on where it's like the um cartoonists almost became because beforehand, right, and still this is true for Marvel DC things. There's mm -hmm. a writer, there's a there's a penciler, there's an inker, there's a colorist, there's a letterer, right? There's like yeah. five individuals involved in creating this commodity. And they don't they <laughs> often don't like usually you know, they don't own it, right? It's work for hire most of the time. Right. Right. Yeah, no, like someone's asking for the Goofy comic, or right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we need to churn out fifty more Goofy comics this year. So yeah. I would say, I would say it's Marvel, right? Mm -hmm. It's Marvel comics. Yeah, the, yeah, Iron, <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, this is what's really interesting to me, um, because the way that well, first the the way that I know 
Kathy is through zines, right. mostly. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, they introduced me to zines, and we have some zines together. Books. I introduced you to zines? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, Ro- Ross, is a, Ross is a poet, so we mm-hmm. made a few zines together Oh, back yeah, in the day. I think I actually had yeah. one um, that y'all did together. Sweet. Yeah, a classic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, so, right. So, like what y'all are saying, talking about the the artisan mode of production, I think that's uh, that that's sort of what I know about about mm-hmm. comics. Um, mm. But that, but then we are talking while well, we're playing uh, Dead by Daylight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talk outside of Dead by. Well, we, but it's true, it's true, it's true. But this is a different time. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about uh, uh, Kathy's partner, uh, Karen, doing uh, coloring work mm-hmm. for this uh, for this uh, author who has a book deal, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a division of labor again, right? And and it's it's in indie comics, if I understand it correctly, right? You know, I think there there is sort of a messiness that's been happening. So yeah. there there's the Marvel model mm-hmm. right. and there's the independent model. And mm-hmm. then there's kind of a lot of people who are in a messy in between right now. Yes. So like mm. the way the scene looks right now is that there's a lot of independent cartoonists who get noticed by a big publisher and they say, "Hey, we want you to do a middle grade graphic novel for us because middle grade and YA is where the money is at, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For a larger publisher. Um, and so these independent cartoonists uh, do uh, a job for mm-hmm. them, but they become the writers, the illustrators, the pencil, the inker, they do it all. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes because of how many different jobs are now forced upon one individual um though mm. they end up hiring people with their own money mm-hmm. to hire a colorist for them mm. so normally it's the publisher isn't the one paying the colorist normally it's coming out of the original uh, artist's uh cut right yeah like in that mo- so like oh, go ahead sorry no, you can finish up. No, I was just going to say, like, in that in that model, it almost... Because in, independent comics, that model is very, like, one person does it usually. Sometimes there's a writer and an artist collaborating. But, like, if you look at, like, Fun Home or Mouse, which are, like, the two big, right, independent comic examples. Um, yeah. Those are, like, one person who's doing it all, right? The, the otter, almost. Yeah. Um, and an otter, for those who don't know, is like it's a film term that basically refers to like a, a, a director with like a very specific style, and then it got sort of ported to comics to refer to like people who make like do all the parts of the comics themselves and like are known for that. Uh, Wouldn't it be the auteur? Yeah, it's auteur. I say auteur. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not French. Sorry, I'm not French. Um, <laughs> I've taught film, but I'm not French. Um, but <laughs> it's like, um. Then what happens is on in the in at least what I've sort of observed, right? Um, and for a little context too, because I don't think you know this, Ross, but my I did my master's thesis on um, 
it's it's been since sort of all of my conclusions have been sort of destroyed by COVID, but that's fine. But I was interested in this sort of like critical moment where queer was becoming like a marketing term in YA comics. Um, So for my master's thesis, I did like a lot of work, like research on like the history of YA specifically and like how main how these sort of like traditional book publishers got into the graphic novel game. Um, which is where we're sort of seeing this a lot of this messiness that Kathy's talking about. Because I think, like, there is this expectation of, like, oh, the auteur, like, you are the owner of this vision that we are buying from you. You're doing the whole thing. But the production schedule isn't designed in the same way that, like, if you look at in more indep- if you look at like the production of like independent comics where they're made by like one person and then like picked up and published sort of after it's different from like something gets pitched an editor acquires it and then gives you a deadline right right and that's yeah. how i think we end up with this messiness where like there's the expect part of it is that like on the surface they want it to it's sort of like based on this idea of like the art the auteur artist but then like the actual production schedule is not is designed more for where you need multiple people the way that we do it is sort of done in more in uh, monthly comic schedules um mm-hmm. where you have multiple people all sort of working on it at the same time so it's like this weird uh hybrid which creates this messiness that messiness that kathy is talking about where it is usually like the artist hiring people to do that labor <laughs> yeah and how is that labor paid out is it is it paid out by by hour is it piece work is it just on a schedule like how does it how does it work normally it would be work for hire so Mm -hmm. normally it would be a bulk sum and then whatever amount of like if you're a colorist you are paid a bulk amount Mm -hmm. and then you have to color everything that the book requires yeah so like you have to color 300 pages or whatever it is. 300 is kind of a lot. 250, I think, is the average. Um, 250 pages and then whatever bonus materials are in the back and then the cover. And sometimes covers are made. Sometimes there's multiple covers and mm-hmm. you just have to keep coloring whatever they give you until that job is complete. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, and then <laughs> to complicate it more. <laughs> Please, complicate it away. Yes. Um is they are in theory as rima said they're hiring a vision mm-hmm. they're they're purchasing a vision for a book mm-hmm. right? right but the editors and the marketing team often are smashing that vision yeah. to fit into what is marketable mm-hmm. right ah so what i'm like i i'm really curious is i think a lot of people now are getting smashed and i think it might be helpful to think of to like think about it in term in these terms Mm -hmm. right like what is happening to labor in this weird moment of publishing i have a question so so i would wonder then is it sort of begs the question what what is the ratio or (laughs) how can we compare the the work that actually goes into the book right which is you know uh like actually making the object right and mm-hmm. like the marketing and uh you know uh i guess intellectual and design labor right that goes that goes into one like making the thing 
uh, marketable, uh, making it interface with the market in some way, um, you know, uh, using it to conform to a certain kind of vision, right? And and just sort of uh, my my guess, my guess would be mm-hmm. that there's way more money in the marketing team. you know there was um, a point of our conversations ross where you said um where i was talking about there's you have mentioned that there's a lot of physical there's a physical aspect to making a book Mm -hmm. to making a comic book right yeah where you you said that there's a lot of there's labor involved in actually drawing the pages yeah versus writing the the script and yeah. and i was like oh ross doesn't know how many people probably stood and applauded <laughs> if they heard that yeah. <laughs> because oftentimes writers yeah. and artists want to be want to be equal but there there needs to be an acknowledgement that there's a lot of labor involved in just drawing the dang thing <laughs> like mechanical physical labor yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and we talk about this too. Um, uh, th- that, well, you know, I sit I sit around and and read and write a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a graduate student, and um, you know, uh, I've had these conversations with with Kathy about the importance of just working out or moving your body, like lifting weights. <laughs> and, like I, like, you know, Kathy ins- inspired me to, <laughs> to start, to start lifting weights so that I can sit around longer. Like it's, yeah. And it's bizarre. Kathy <laughs> like something that you don't, yeah. Same I, with you, Remus. Yeah. yeah. Cause I remember Kathy, you talked about how like you, I, I don't know if this is still your, I don't want to blow up your gym schedule, but you mentioned to me like years ago that you go to the gym, like, once a month to do stretches so that your knees don't hurt when you drive or something like that. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, this makes so much like, yeah, absolutely. Like I don't need to go to the, I don't need to be like a gym rat, but I do need to like do physical, (laughs) do exercise every once in a while so that my body doesn't hurt from just sitting all day. Yeah. But, (laughs) but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, okay, so Ross, you're absolutely correct. There's a lot more money in the publishing yeah. building yeah. than there is in that goes to the artist. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and what what something that um I've been thinking about a, a lot recently is is something brought up in this in this book by Marina Vishmit uh I don't even know. I don't know. If, I've never heard her name out loud. It's weird for me to be saying that. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Speculation as a Mode of Production. Mm. Um, and it's about how creativity is being um, is being integrated more and more in, into everyday work. Um, how it is being rationalized and uh, exploited. Um, in the same way, mm-hmm. um, uh, at, you know, in, in the same way that, you know, our physical labor is, right? 
uh, mm. you know, the, the effects on our body. So, you know, we got to go do uh, squats at the gym so that <laughs> we don't hurt <laughs> or we're commuting to our, our job, God forbid, or, you know, uh, pulling out our back for no reason while we're <laughs> <laughs> sitting and writing things. Um, I don't want people to feel bad for me. That's bizarre. No, don't do that. <laughs> but it's true. That's just like true. a basic it's thing true. about having a body is that you yeah. you do have to move it, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this this intellectual labor or this speculation or creativity, um, I, I think that we... I think that it's even... More, uh, grimmer more grim than <laughs> than mm. than even what marina vishmet is writing about in this book um particularly in like i think comics i kind of open um open up that perspective even more because the, the division of labor is there right mm-hmm. it's it's um and uh there's so much work that goes on I, you know, I'm surprised all the time um, about how much work is just assumed as part of what, a part of your job um, mm-hmm. in the creation of a, a graphic novel or in the creation of a comic, um, uh, like a piece of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an outdoor piece of work that's sold as, uh, you know, supposedly sold as an object but it has to be it has to you know conform to these specific norms that this uh that this uh company has created and Mm -hmm. this company is also responsible right there's somebody there i'm not trying to you know make everyone feel bad for marketers or whatever but some (laughs) somebody has to generate that brand right somebody has to generate Mm -hmm. that thing that idea that ideal or whatever that that these auteurs have to aspire to now so i think that it's even more sort of uh homogeneous and mm-hmm. and uh scary than mm-hmm. uh yeah <laughs> then then even Vishmit is uh able to see because um uh her work is mostly on the autonomous work of art right mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. know, it talks about psychobly and stuff you know so <laughs> Um, uh, and, you know, and, and performance artists and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, how many, like how many assistants go into, you know, creating one, uh, you know, uh, Abramovich or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who's a performance artist, right. Um, her, her art is like being in a lot of ways. So, um, uh, it's there are a lot of ways we can go with this but um yeah remus i think you're going to say something um feel free to (laughs) oh no i was just gonna yeah i i I don't know if this is super but i was just gonna say what you said about like the scary part about the you know the 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 to borrow Kathy's word, the sort of like smashing, right? The sort of like I like that. I like that visual a lot of like the the, <laughs> the interaction between like the hired auteur and the company um, is it's something that I, I was really interested in. In my my thesis was like what publish how many publishers are there that are doing this work 
um, how are they, like, attracting people to come work for them, basically, right, and, like, acquire these books, and then what impact does that have, because it sort of creates this, like, siloing effect where it's, like, okay, you have these publishing houses that will pay, because part of it is the salary, right, like, obviously no anyone can go sit down and draw a graphic novel and put it online that's that autonomous model does exist but you don't get paid for that right i mean or if you get paid right. you you know you it's not a guarantee that it's going to like for the amount of time and labor it takes to generate that much material you need to have some sort of financial guarantee <laughs> that your needs are going to be met right which is yeah. sort of the whole advanced model in the first place um so these these bigger companies that can give um, advances that, um, you know, aren't, I would say, livable, but do for better for, you know, do create ways that people can find ways to make it work. Um, or at least like give like the premise that you can live off of it. Um, like, they're going to keep getting people, right? And they're going to keep acquiring these books. And then, like, they ultimately, like, the kinds of books that they acquire, if they're also kind of setting the rules around, like, since, again, my focus is on, like, queer YA, like, what ma like what queer stories are okay in YA, you end up with this sort of, like, siloing effect where, like, a lot of books end up kind of being about the same thing um, because yeah. those are the stories that are marketable, right? And those, yeah. <laughs> and if they run the markets, um, and, you know, we see that happen all the time where, like, the same, like, five publishers keep sort of, like, merging and acquiring and unmerging and bringing in you know like but yeah. ultimately it sort of is like the same five and that's not to that's not a dig against the editors who are like acquiring this work because i think a lot of editors genuinely want to put out really good work but like yeah. you know there is this limiting effect that happens because if the market won't support a risky project then that person can't make that book unless they fit it back into that marketable paradigm right exactly oh and Remus, you're going to love this book. <laughs> I think, yeah, you, should like, read, right, I think like, you should read this. Yeah, I'm you taking read so many notes right now. <laughs> this, uh, because uh, Vishmit talks about the the uh, the markets of risk, right? Mm. Specifically how, how, you know, how risk is financialized, but also, yeah, the, it, it goes, um, it's, it's going in the opposite way of uh, for for art i think um if you look at you know i'm not going to be the the uh <laughs> the perennial podcast guest who talks uh talks smack about the mcu or whatever but like look where movies are going right like it's like yeah. the same i just saw a poster for lightyear the movie it's just like a Buzz Lightyear <laughs> biopic. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> like you know, so I I I think that we're I think we're seeing something. I think that art is is um, I I think it's the opposite almost of the canary in the coal mine. It's like once it gets to when once this kind of exploitation oh, yeah. gets to mm -hmm. art. It's like, oh, we're we're deep in it. Like we things are are dark <laughs> because we already know that then we probably already know that this kind of exploitations happen to every level of labor, right? Because art mm. kind of tends to see itself and and we tend to privilege it in a way to 
to, you know, cherish it and feel special toward it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and that, you know, it's this, it's this realm that, um, that, you know, you know, everyone has, uh, feelings and opinions and tastes toward it, you know? Um, it's something that, that Beach talks about pretty, um, interestingly, the, there's this, um, so in, I guess, neoclassical economics, uh, <laughs> whatever that oh, is. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. On the same uh, Absolutely. Whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know what that is either. I study Marxism. I, <laughs> um, there's the, uh, a theory of um, marginal utility, right? Uh, this is a fancy way of saying, right, so I go and buy a... Uh, uh, I guess maybe maybe this is a bad example. I, I'm going to say tea. I'm going to say tea. I go and buy okay. a bunch of tea. Let's stick with sweaters. Sweaters. So <laughs> I live in Northern California. I go and buy a bunch, a bunch of sweaters, right? Mm-hmm. I buy like 10 sweaters because I'm like, I need these sweaters because it's about to be winter and all my old sweaters got holes. I've been mending them, blah, 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 whatever. So I get all these sweaters. There's going to be a point. Probably around, you know, sweater number five, maybe four, maybe I'm fancy, uh, where I realize <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't buy any more sweaters, right? Um, another thing is uh, uh, records, right? Or graphic novels or zines, right? Mm-hmm. I get into... Uh, uh, I get into Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix, right? Uh, is that the right title? Am I <laughs> myself? Uh, um, and and uh, then I want to listen to uh, Band of Gypsies, and then I get really into The Grateful Dead, and then I, uh, you know, uh, that leads me into uh, weird psychedelic noise music, and now I'm like looking for. Uh, uh, Japanese psychedelic noise music at uh, at a market in, in San Francisco where uh, weirdos get together and collect things. There's actually no limit to me buying those things. There's no four sweaters version of sweat mm. of, of of records, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 is something special about art. The more that I buy of it, the more that I consume and 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 get to know and 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 uh cherish right uh the more and if you know we want to be really vulgar about it the more i use (laughs) the more i want (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and and so it's it's um what i'm trying to say is is if if the economy has gotten um has a kind of pervaded that special zone of of art right and people are like oh you know what uh we can't make the uh uh the graphic novel about uh the uh, uh black queer uh judas priest cover band right mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, uh um because there's no market for that um mm-hmm. then we're in real uh uh, dire straits. <laughs> I think it's really dark. <laughs> I think it's really dark. Yeah. Uh, because 
<laughs> y'all will read the hell out of that, right? Mm. There's a market for that. <laughs> yeah. That thing exists. So um, I'm just uh, trying to draw out the kind of the kind of tensions and, and trying to figure out where we are right now. Because I, I think that not that it's like totally unprecedented or but I I really think that value capitalism is trying to make it's 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 trying to generate itself right now mm-hmm. so hard mm-hmm. and struggling and mm-hmm. it's di- and it's dying and we should let it die <laughs> yeah, yeah I, this is i mean this is vaguely i mean this all connects i guess in the sense that it's all capitalism but i've i've actually been thinking about this a lot that like i mean we obviously the pandemic has really um so i'm not like super i'm not i'm not like a marxist 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 or a marxist scholar i haven't done like a huge amount of reading but i i have read enough to understand that like um neoliberal capitalism requires and we neoliberal is to to sum it up sort of just like for folks who maybe don't know it's just sort of like uh, a, a sort of like approach to economic governance that involves like putting taking things away from the state and putting making everything very like privatized and individualized more or less um which we're in very much <laughs> we're very in it yeah um yeah. and like one one of the things it requires is it needs like crisis to keep going like it always yes. needs crisis because like technically everyone's needs could be met which would be a problem for capitalism right because then there wouldn't be like the demand or whatever so like you always kind of need things like stock market crashes or things like big emergencies that make people unemployed because then you generate backup resources um and that's one of the things that i thought i've been thinking about a lot with the pandemic is that like it really really underscored how that like works and like the need for crisis is to always be happening and then also the fact that that's not enough for it to like stop because it needs that crisis so it's actually like a good thing (laughs) that the pandemic happened from like capitalism's point of view because it's sort of like generated more human resources but at the same time like it showed a lot of people how bad it is and like how badly it's functioning and you're i think you're right that like we're watching it die in a real time (laughs) and it's wild to be like aware of that but also like still things are still moving for i don't know i just think a lot about like how strange it is to sort of like be so aware of this of all of these systems failing but not able to like individually to sort of bring it back i guess to kathy's point about like what do we do about it right like it it feels like there's not a lot on an individual level right that we can that can accelerate sort of like pushing us into being like yes let it die Mm -hmm. i mean i think something that i have been thinking about as we've been talking is um how should we see art and its relationship to labor like should we be joining in solidarity with other laborers i mean the answer is yes but yes. <laughs> oh yeah I mean, yes always yes <laughs> I, I, but like it feels like it occupies a special place mm-hmm. right it it does i think it does i've been talking to this poet 
uh, named uh, Andy Robinson mm-hmm. a lot recently about this kind of, kind of same um, concept, which is, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of around some folks who are involved with this thing. There's this uh, poets union that came up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's like, so, there's like a lot of uh, infighting around it and like, what what's to be done and you know there's like different different parts of this organization and people outside of it um who are kind of criticizing it right i think i think it's good to get organized mm-hmm. um but i think that i i think one, one thing that we're realizing about art is um it's uh it's nice. It's it's uh, um, important. I say uh, it's going to be important no matter uh, what social system uh, shakes out, unless we mm-hmm. we're just uh, you know flying the plane into the ground with capitalism. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but uh, when I talk to Andy about this, we talk about well, okay, you're a poet, but you you know you work at uh, a grocery store or you or you work um you know you work in a restaurant or something like that unionize those people you know Mm -hmm. do that (laughs) like that's where labor is right like Mm -hmm. um uh there's there's labor in art uh but i would say that this in terms of circulation in terms of the way money moves around uh art is uh is in capitalism, I think both materially and uh, uh, and sort of the way that we intellectualize about it, sort of ornamental to capital. I think it's mm. necessary. I think it's. I think it's. You know, I study it all the time. This is. I'm a poet. You know, <laughs> uh, but if we really want to hurt capital, uh, going after Hofton Mifflin or whatever is not going to do that. You know. Mm. Uh, did I say the thing right? Is it Hofton Mifflin or what? How do you say that? The publisher? Yeah. Oh, is it Hofton or is it Huff? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I have no idea. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think, uh, I think artists. I think we, as artists, I think we need, uh. We need to find ways to and uh, to uh, slow or diminish or uh, dissolve uh, the uh, capital's uh, um, need and uh, drive to expand, mm-hmm. to accumulate. Mm, right? right. We have to slow its accumulation. And it's happening. It's already happened by itself, right? Because what does capital need? Labor. And what uh, and what are people doing right now? Not really laboring, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> people don't have jobs. <laughs> but I think it's going to take some time for us to find each other. And and mm-hmm. I, one one last thing, like I'm a you know I'm a uh, you know I'm a I'm a communist. I'll say that here. Uh, this is a safe uh, space. This is a safe space. I feel safe with y'all. Thank you so much. But I, 
I, my friends are anarchists Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and I get, I get down with a lot of anarchists, I think, because, uh, y'all, Remus, yeah, (laughs) Remus, I don't want to maybe throw you in here, but, uh, like, no, please uh, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, y'all, y'all know about Praxis and, um, and, uh, I, I spend a lot of time in, in, you know, pretty white male academic spaces with other white male, uh, 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 communists and, and it's like, well, we're debating about real subsumption, but, uh, meanwhile, you know, <laughs> it's fucking miserable out here. So, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I can swear on here. Uh, that's fine. Uh, so, <laughs> so that that that's kind of my. It's like we need to, you know, we need a real, um, we need a real moment of coming together. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I and think that's where we're at. I yeah, I I also for for all of the leftists that I do know listen to us, I think you're like right on about especially like the 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 communist anarchist split, because um, like I will own that I am an anarchist, but like I am friends with a lot of communists and I listen to them and I think they are also right about stuff and the whole I think it's the whole like anonymity between those two branches of left of politics are kind of silly because we all kind of have the same end goal just different ways of realizing it yeah um so i do want to sort of start to move us towards our conclusion um so our conclusion segment is like what did we learn what are our goals and what do we want our takeaways to be I mean, I think something that we've repeated again and again in this podcast is that art is not activism. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. As Ross said, you need to have praxis. You need to be doing um, you need to be doing stuff Mm -hmm. in in your communities. Um, And but I also think that uh, comic books and that is a labor that's being exploited. Pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, like, how can we move forward as people who want to be making books, who want to be to a wide audience, Mm -hmm. right? That's the benefit of working with a big publisher is that it can be spread widely. Mm -hmm. Um, How can we kind of uh, make it work? Like what, what? What? How shall we move forward? Um, I mean, we we when we were talking, Ross, you you said that the. We're we're still living in capitalism. It's not like we can have our individual lives mm-hmm. be somehow separate. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, right. I I think I, I think there are going to be opportunities, especially with with publishing and sort of uh, looking at looking at the way that you know uh, labor work is distributed among. Uh, all of the the different people who go into making a comic, you know, as I'm learning right now, right, I'm mm-hmm. probably going to have to have some solidarity among mm-hmm. the you know the colorists, and uh, I don't know the technical term for the people who do the script. What's that? Writers. Writers. Writers, and. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you know, on the auteurs, and mm-hmm. and uh, and not, you know, 
uh, try to lessen that that uh, kind of you know exploitative and hierarchical structure um, uh, as much as we can in the meantime, right? I, I think that that mm-hmm. that'll be important. I think it's also important. We gotta we gotta uh, teach. <laughs> like, yeah. you know that's our, that's our role yeah I, I think I, I i didn't touch on it very much but you know um uh while we're having all of these you know squabbles right now um uh you know as as you know political people i think it's really important to uh see what our students are thinking about and worried about and mm-hmm. and uh passionate about and and mm-hmm. uh and curious about you know mm-hmm. i just had a student email me the other day i did a at my school i did an art gallery show with incarcerated artists and i just had a student email me two days ago asking for a connection with the incarcerated artist group so she can um volunteer and work with them and i was like yeah. i have never been so happy to receive an email in my life that's so nice that's great it was awesome (laughs) and i think i mean i love hearing because i i I kind of said earlier the like that feeling that kind of like helpless feeling as an individual sometimes but i think like that's actually a really good example of like it's a small thing but it's like a huge thing also right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you get to so it is a huge and you get to celebrate that um and celebrate those wins too um, yeah. Um. Well. Uh. What are our goals, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I well, I I would love to. See, I think we're moving in that direction already, but I would love to see more like open conversations within the comics. I don't want to say comics community because there's like a million different comics communities. So you can't really right. just like say comics community and call it a day. But like there are pockets where we are very vocal about like exploitation and people kind of are like people are looking out for each other, of course. Like, but you, there is still even pushback from and from what I've seen, like especially like established uh, artists who have a very like. Well, it worked out for me, so anyone can make it work kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that needs to be thoroughly, like, rebuffed and just, like, no tolerance because that does not actually help anyone, especially not mm-hmm. folks who are actively being exploited or younger, like, or newer folks who are coming in about to be exploited. Um, and I feel like that is something yeah. that we can do is be like, hey, actually, <laughs> no. that's not actually how it works (laughs) um did you have any final thoughts you wanted to share ross um no i i love this conversation i i learned so much about about comics i i think that it's a hmm, i i think that there is a huge gap in uh i i i don't think that we, I don't, I don't want to uh, put this out there as like, oh, somebody should, you know, uh, produce this uh, work because you know the academy's great and you know <laughs> there's no exploitation of labor in in that at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
no, not not because of that. Uh, also, all sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 but I think that there is a lot of room to write about this specific field. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. to to say about what comics. Uh, what comics work reveals about our relationship to art and capitalism. Mm. I think that there is a lot to be said and generated about it. I'm probably not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> but You're busy. Somebody, you got your own things. <laughs> yeah, I have to write it. I have to write a chapter on, you know, a, a Mexican poem this week. So, uh, <laughs> but, but somebody out there, uh, a lovely listener, I hope, is feeling inspired um, and and sees that this is an opportunity to kind of really uh, really think through some of these 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 problems, these these um, uh, these issues that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. I I agree. I think there's a lot of room for expansion yeah. within uh, comic scholars. I mean, that's sort of the realm that me and Remus even occupy with this podcast is um, alternative publication of scholarship. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Was the goal. Um, well, thank you so much for coming, Ross. Yeah, I, thank yeah. you. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> this is it's so, so fun. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. I love Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I I love this. Um, I'm going to keep thinking about this a lot. Um, You know, if you ever need, uh, you know, God forbid you ever want want somebody to come on and and nerd uh, nerd out about Marx, I'm uh, basically (laughs) always available, always down. Yes, yes. Oh, we'll definitely take you up on that. Yeah, we'll have a part two. I mean, there's so much to talk about. We really barely scratched the surface. So, no, trying to keep it within a reasonable podcast length. Thank you so much. I mean, honestly, that's what our conclusion always is: is there's always more. Yeah, there's always it's there's never an end. Mm -hmm. Um. So, thank you to Downtown Boys. For their song Wave of History. It's off their album Full Communism, which I say every single time, Ross. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love that voice. We can buy it off of their band camp. Um, so you can uh, find this podcast at drawingadialogue.com. I'm going to get some citations from Ross. Mm-hmm. I wrote down some author names. We'll link to some more books that you can read. Um, and you can find those in the show notes. Uh, you got something, Remus? You can email us at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Um, we like it when you email us. Sometimes we read them on the show if they are yeah. appropriate. <laughs> we, are, we have not been getting loads of inappropriate emails. Please don't. <laughs> okay. I, I just, I've been... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you can email us. That's all. Um... I love it. And, Email us appropriate things. Yeah, please. I mean, people are good about that for the most part. Um, I keep making it sound as though someone has emailed. No, that's not happened. I just. Um, I delete some emails. Oh, well, I guess I just. <laughs> and anyway, you can find us on Twitter. <laughs> at draw a dialogue without the ing because Twitter has a character limit. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Remus Maurice. 
Um, that is R-E-M-U-S-M-A-U-R-I-C-E. Yeah. And you can follow me at Kathy G. John. That's C-A-T-H-Y-G-J-O-H-N. And Ross, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, at, at Dispoems, D-I-S-P-O-E-M-S on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I don't know, if you if you want some, uh, uh, you know, a bibliography or something about this, uh, you can email me at R S S. Hernandez, Hernandez, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z at ucdavis.edu. Yeah. Take Ross up on that. Having someone do a bibliography <laughs> for you, that's great. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it with love. And, Absolutely. And me and Ross have a zine that you can buy off of my website, kathygjohn.net. And we're probably going to do something else in the future. Um, yeah. Of course. Uh, there's always more. <laughs> um so now it's uh time for our reading section uh remus what are you reading oh we're starting with me okay um i've actually been reading a book called comics in the body um by esther uh and i don't know how to pronounce this last name so apologies but esther uh svet s-v-e-p um and it is about, it's um, her dissertation project, um, obviously edited, published as a book, but it's about, um, she's sort of interested in the relationship between like both the artist's body and the reader's body and the actual like material comic. Um, so some interesting like thinking about like, uh, uh, I don't know if, uh, 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 phenomenology which is basically like a philosophical approach where you're thinking about like how the body and your perception of the world around you through your body like connects to things as opposed to seeing them as like platonic ideal things existing without being affected by the perception that's a really rough gloss of it it doesn't matter my point is that it's sort of an interesting (laughs) because like a lot of comic scholarship hasn't really thought about that like the um the reader's body especially in like in like that sort of like Ooh. the actual like physical action of drawing um and what that like h- how that sort of like makes these relationships um you know i'm there's some stuff in there that i'm like Meh, and there's some stuff in there that i think is really cool um <laughs> so <laughs> i think it's a good book to pick up if you're interested in this kind of stuff um and also it has some great like comprehensive like overviews of scholarship so if you're like I don't know anything about comic scholarship. She has some really good sections that are just like, here is everything that has been written about this, which is great. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a world that that there's only a few people in it, and there's a lot of room for expansion. That sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's a cool little book. Um, Kathy, what have you been reading? Um, I have been reading a series called "I Hear the Sunspot." It's a manga series. Uh, so it's a Japanese comic series. It's about it, of course, it's a romance because I adore romances. Um, <laughs> and it's between uh, two young men in college, but one of them has a hearing disability. Mm. And so it's about sort of navigating uh, disability and different expectations. What's the name on... of it, Kathy? I hear the sunspot. Um, and there's, there's sort of an interesting part where a... The uh, character without the hearing disability uh, 
uh, critiques a novel that is sort of a romance between a, a deaf person and a person with hearing. And then they watch the movie adaptation of it later, and the person with a hearing disability really likes it. <laughs> which is, was such an interesting oh, I love like, that. thing to include. Yeah. No, that's really fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, normally I admit I read a lot of trash, but this one surprisingly wasn't trash. I'm really enjoying it. Ooh. I ended up really going in deep because there's five books in it, and I kept buying the wrong one that wasn't the first one, so I ended up buying all five by accident because I couldn't tell which one was the first in the series. Um, and then, Ross, what are you reading? I'm reading um, some uh, Mexican poems. I'm reading nice. one called um, uh, uh, Libros Centroamericano de los Muertos, the Central American Book of the Dead by Balam Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. They are um, uh, poems based on the lives of... Uh, people who cross paths with the, the poet as well as um, sort of anonymous uh, migrants who died in their journeys up north. Um, mm. And uh, another book I'm reading is called Local Moon by uh, Hugo Garcia Manriquez. Hugo Garcia Manriquez. They, these aren't translated, but but um, uh, th- those, are, those are two things I'm reading. And then you know, I'm still kind of working through this um, Marina Vishmet book on art and value, um, specula- mm. speculation as a mode of production. Um, it's a it's dense and um, extremely thorough, and uh, yeah, I recommend it uh, to anybody who's awesome. who's um, interested in the topics that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you yeah, so thank much for you. coming, Ross. This was thank you for such a me pleasure. Um, and thank you for listening to Drawing a Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. Go, Ross. Oh, and I'm Ross Hernandez. And solidarity forever. Bye. Bye.